This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss Episode 238 of 20 Minute Tins, the Christmas special, the treble treble special, the quadruple treble special, so many specials and I've got two special presenters with me as I do every week. I am joined by Stephen. Hello there and yes you're right, those clunkily inserted bells over the intro music can only mean one thing, it's Christmas guys, it's Christmas, I'm here. It doesn't feel very Christmassy, maybe Melly who joins me can make it feel a bit more Christmassy. No, I was going to sing Happy Birthday to you there, but... <laughs> oh, I forgot. Aye, there's something else to add, Melly. Why don't you just add that in? Yes, today is a very special day. Sunday, Celtic done the quadruple treble, but Monday is Mr. James Von Doom's birthday. So all wish him happy birthday because he gets very sad if you don't. Thank you say, very it's, much. It's, it's impossible to forget because Jamie is the only person I've ever met over the age of about 13 who queues up his birthday for about a month in advance. <laughs> oh, my birthday's on the way. My, my uh, birthday's coming. What a, what as soon a as like. you get to about October, it's all my birthday's uh, just around the corner. Every single year on Twitter, I tweet, just going to see who says it today and who doesn't. Just leave it open-ended like that. And it's become a birthday tradition. I like to let everyone know <laughs> when my birthday is and then I take A passive-aggressive birthday tradition. The, the best kind. It is, and it's a time for joy. It is a time for joy, but it's also a time for reflection at Christmas time, and that is what we're going to have on this podcast. We're going to have joy and reflection because there is joy that Celtic won yet another treble, for goodness sake, four in a row. But also, what we're going to do is we're going to discuss the joyous winning of the treble in the first half of the podcast, and then in the second half of the podcast, we're going to tell you how the game went, Stephen. Does that sound fair? I feel like it was always going to go that way. I feel like it was always going to be a, a podcast of two halves because there are many things at play, many emotions, many different feelings come into to winning that trophy. The the twelfth one. That, I, mean, I, I suppose that's the the twelve trophies of Christmas. It's mm, clunky. Can, it. It's yeah, it's sure cumbersome. Yeah, it's cumbersome. <laughs> sure that as cumbersome sure. as Celtic's defence, you might say. But more on that, <laughs> more on that later. We'll we'll tee that up in the the second half. I suppose. 
those of you who have been listening to the podcast for a long time and we've been going for a long time, you will be well familiar with our Patreon. It's a service where you can support this podcast in exchange for extra content. So if you like the Monday podcast and you want to hear some more Celtic-related content from us, head on over to patreon.com slash 20-Minute Tims, where this weekend we had our 20-Minute Tims live Christmas party, which was absolutely hilarious. We had the viewers, the patrons join us live on YouTube. We gave away hundreds of pounds of prizes, thousands of pounds if you add in the postage. (laughs) 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 And that was... Didn't think we had through, did we? No, we certainly didn't think it through. It was some laugh. And then we were back in front of the cameras for the live preview show. Then we had the Match Reaction podcast. We bring you all over on patreon.com slash 20minutetims. But let's talk about it, Melee. Celtic won yet another treble. Are you getting bored of winning trebles yet? <laughs> no, and I never will. MD that says, Stephen always says, it. see this nonsense, like, oh, they must be sick of it. No, I'd much rather be watching my team lift trophies than not. I'd much la- rather see my team win a game than lose a game. Of course you're going to get trebles. It's the best thing ever. I've only seen one in my lifetime up until four years ago, and I've seen three in four years. It's absolutely tremendous and something that we maybe, a lot of people have said, including myself, we might not appreciate it until maybe months, years down the line. But I think to, just throughout today, I've just appreciated how how massive it is for the club, any club of any size, to go out and win 12 trophies in a row is absolutely incredible. It it is quite incredible, Stephen. You know, Celtic, I think, had won three trebles prior to this feat. Um, We've now won four in a row. We have, what is it, jumped every hurdle that was put in front of us domestically for the past four seasons. A clean sweep. It's People were saying, and Neil Lennon was saying after the game, you know, people will be talking about this for 30 and 40 years. They, they absolutely will. This is success yeah. on a domestic level, the likes of which Scottish football has never seen, never seen and probably will never see again. Well, really nowhere has seen it because, you know, this is a, what is it, a world first, I think? Well, it must be. Mm. And I suppose that's quite useful for putting it into context because it's very easy to just wheel off, oh, it's 12 to I, I just said it's very easy to roll that and off. Stumbled and stumbled over, it, stumbled it, over stumbled the actual yes. Walked into that one. But it, yeah, it's very easy to just roll off things like, oh, it's 12 trophies in a row. It's you know, quadruple treble. They're just words at the end of the day. But I suppose what you've said is quite useful for framing it because if these, if anyone out there would you know, would like to frame this in a way that it's easy for Celtic to do because they're the dominant force, they've got the most money, the best players and all that. Yes, on, in theory, that, that is the case, but... If that's all it's about, then why has no one else done it? Why have Man City never done it? Why did Bayern Munich not do it just now? It's it's not as easy as that. It's as we've seen with Rangers last week, it can go like that. You know, it can go yeah. in the blink of an eye. All it takes well, is we one knew, off we game. nearly saw it this weekend. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, very true, game, yeah. Yeah. It, all it takes is one off game and it's you know, it's a failure and you the treble is gone. But Celtic haven't done that for four whole seasons now. It's it's quite a nice bow to put on just now because we we know now that it won't yeah. be continuing that the treble is is lost for this season but that that takes nothing away from the the success up to this point it, it's absolutely incredible and we were we're having a discussion yesterday on the live preview that we do um, before every game over on Patreon we kind of tried to weigh up like, what's what's more impressive winning all these trebles or winning ten in a row and my idea on that was. Maybe a very simplistic way of looking at it, but as we stand here just now, Celtic have have got another nine. So three times clubs in Scotland have come close to achieving 10 in a row. Nobody has come anywhere near winning four trebles in a row. Not even within 
three seasons of it have they come close to winning four trebles? Do you know who can answer that question for us, Stephen? If you want to know the probability of winning something, just get Arteta up. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if I don't know if you've paid attention to Twitter today, but if you think some of the excuses that Neil Lennon comes out with for losing games is outrageous, then Arteta's out telling people, "Well, we win games that we had a sixty-five percent probability of losing," and that's who Arteta's trying to defend himself in the job. It's the most ridiculous stuff I've ever heard anyone come out with uh, as a football manager, just to I mean, say slightly. That is even worse than what Neil Lennon said a few weeks ago about how well if some of the draws were wins then we'd be better off this season because mm. at least Lennon has just said that off the top of his head Arteta has drilled down into the numbers of making <laughs> up excuses that that's an absolutely <laughs> mental thing to say so the, the quadruple treble somewhat poetically began in uh, August 2016 Scott Sinclair scored a winner at Tyne Castle four years later against the same opposition against Hearts the, treble tre- the quadruple treble excuse me was one. 2016 seems like an absolute lifetime ago. An absolute yeah, lifetime ago. It really, really does. 2019 sub- seems like an absolute <laughs> lifetime ago just now. As to be honest, I can't wait 2020. to 2020. seems like a lifetime <laughs> ago. I can't wait for that. Melly, what are some of your highlights of this pretty outstanding achievement for Celtic? Not pretty outstanding, exceptionally outstanding achievement. Some of the highlights, we could be doing a whole podcast in itself. There's so many big games that stick out, so many turning points so many just games where emotions get the best of you but if I had to pick a couple I'd, I'd, need, I'd need to go with the Tom Rogic goal to complete an invincible treble and, and that style was absolutely incredible the treble treble win where Odson Edward scores that goal against Hearts I've I've rarely felt anything like that alongside the Rogiching and another one's just the win over Rangers last season I have never oh, been put through the ringer well apart from the Sunday there, like that, where Celtic were dominated so much and still came out with a victory. It was absolute despair to elation at the final whistle and it, it was worth it in the end. It was all worth it. Going through all this, all these roller coasters, just like Ronan Keaton said, life is a roller coaster. You've just got to ride it. The same as supporting Celtic. You've just got to ride it. And when you get off, it's absolutely tremendous. Is Keaton I a think- Tim? He must be, eh? Uh, must, be, must be a Tim, surely. Must be. Nah, he's probably one of these like... Irish guys that's like a, a Liverpool fan or something like that. I don't know. I don't trust him. I, I feel like I've got an image of Ronan Keaton at Celtic Park. Ron, that's enough about Ronan Keaton. Let's talk about Celtic. <laughs> I've got to say, I think my highlight of the quadruple treble has... I've never seen a Celtic team like the Invincibles. That that yeah. was absolutely incredible. And just the, so, there's so many memories from that season. But the, the Rodrick seeing Craig Gordon celebrate that iconic image of Craig Gordon celebrating at Hamden Park the Rodgers goal just Brendan that was peak peak Brendan Rodgers Celtic were absolutely exceptional then and that for me is just that team will be enshrined in Celtic history I, I kind of feel bad for Neil Lennon because I feel like throughout this quadruple treble time the one manager that's going to stand out above all is Brendan Rodgers and Neil Lennon yeah. there's a wee tinge of People may be feeling that Neil Lennon has won this by default, which, by the way, he absolutely has not, and we'll talk about that. He's not. Neil Lennon deserves every piece of credit going for winning his own treble, and he's a, a bona fide Celtic legend as a player and a manager for doing so. But the fact that Brendan Rodgers achieved the invincible treble in the middle of this great period of success, that is the cherry on top of the cherry on top of the cherry cake, Stephen. It's too many cherries, man. That's horrible. <laughs> That's ruined the cake, I <laughs> Too many cherries. <laughs> 
Yeah, you're, you're right that in a weird sense that you've just said that 2016 seems like ages ago. So Invincibles, I feel, is like another one of these phrases we just trot out without actually thinking about it now because it came at the, the start of this thing. Like having gone an entire season unbeaten and won a treble is absolutely staggering in itself without it being the springboard from which we won all these trebles. Uh, yeah. Subsequently, it's unbelievable. And see, when we're talking about highlights of all these trebles, the the focus tends to be on cup wins because you know those are maybe some of the more dramatic moments winning trebles. But we forget that leagues make up a large yeah. part of the the trebles as well. So, like beating Rangers to to clinch the the title, yeah. with Gubbs Hearts as well to to clinch a title. It was some of those moments should probably not be forgotten either. It's not it's not just about the cups. A lot of this has been made up about made up of its sensational league form as well, including in that invincible season. It's it was always to me slightly unfair. And we made the case in this podcast back when Ronnie Dyla wasn't winning trebles, that, that trebles are hard to win. You know, it was always the gauntlet laid down to Celtic when Rangers were out of the league was well, you're not winning trebles. You should be winning trebles. And an indication yeah. of how difficult that is, you only need to look at the last couple of weeks of this season where Rangers, who had a free run at the League Cup, who now have a, a, a very healthy advantage in the league, but they had a free run at the League Cup, completely took a shit with their clothes on against St Mirren. <laughs> uh, and, and, and that is what how enemies. easy it is. That is how easy it is not to win a treble in this country. And what Celtic did was Rangers came back into the league, so there's almost no excuses. And they had a front row seat for a period of utter domination. And that, that to yeah. me, has always been unfair. It's always been unfair that the gauntlet was laid down that, well, to be a true, to be the most successful you can be, you have to win the treble. Anything less than a treble, you know, a double wasn't good enough. The League Cup double wasn't good enough. It has to be a treble. Well, now we've done it. We've literally answered every critic. There, there can be nobody that has anything to say about this out, of, out with Celtic circles, apart from, bowing down and kissing the ring frankly <laughs> it's true and when Ronnie Dyler came in and said that I want to win a treble he was slaughtered in the in the media for it because people are like oh you don't come in and say that because it's that Scottish British mentality of don't say something in case you fail and then when he leaves Celtic just go on and absolutely dominate and look when you look back at the the league games it's not easy to win a league. You have to be the best team and Celtic have been the best team over this period. But it's even harder to win cups because some of them are just one-off games or you can go to a replay or it's a penalty shootout. There's so many variables that can happen. Just get look, look at Ronnie Dyler won it by a guy getting sent off against Ross County or Inverness or something like that. So it's easily done. But Celtic have only been to extra time in one game up until that final on Sunday. They took, Dunfermline took them to extra time. No replays. Oh, Nothing like that. It was only on Sunday there that they, it was the second game they went to extra time. So it's not as if Celtic had, had home games. They've had tough away games in that. We've had to go up against Rangers numerous times. We've had to go up against Aberdeen, who were the second best team at times, numerous times. And we've beat every single one of them that's put in front of us. So you can't deny that every team has a bad day. And even when Celtic did have bad days, they still got their hands in the trophy. I think that's a, I think that's a really important takeaway, especially from the game against Hearts at the weekend. There, you know, th there was ups and downs in that game. That on that game, honestly, you said it put you through the ringer, Mel. It was like a roller coaster. That game for me was more difficult to watch than the League Cup win against Rangers I because the League so. Cup win against Rangers. I, I honestly do because the League Cup win against Rangers. Basically, all throughout the game, the way we were playing, I was just resigned to the fact we were going to lose it. 
I'm just yeah, like, we're, yeah. we're, we're not going to win this. But the way that game went, the emotions of that game went, uh, the extra time, the penalties. It was honestly, I've never watched a game of football like it. I think throughout this whole period, the dominance for Celtic, it was an absolutely unbelievable experience watching that game as a fan. And I came up after the game. I was on a, such a high. I was like, I want to watch that again. I was like, I, was, I want to immediately watch, yeah. immediately watch the game again. The the Hearts game. I mean, a lot of people have obviously quite rightly pointed out this. It's isn't good for your health watching games like this. It's too it's too dramatic and all that. But honestly, I was sitting watching those penalties. I say sitting. I wasn't. I was standing standing watching the penalties, and my heart was. To the point where I thought, this can't be good for you. This this is not good for your physical health. There's something no right there. It's absolutely pounding, absolutely hammering just now. So I, I do, It's the game was, I mean, we'll get into it, but it was far from ideal. I'm sure you can imagine. But I mean, great drama at the end of the day. What a way to win oh, it. I mean, yeah. if you just look at it in isolation, to win a game like that and a penalty shootout to clinch yet another treble, incredible drama. There are obviously there are, there are problems within it, but I mean, absolutely great value for the neutral and all that stuff. It's always said that you know, we are told, oh, do you not get sick of winning trophies? And we always go, no. But see, when you look at the players' reaction after that ire smashes in that penalty, do you think they get sick of winning trophies? No. Absolutely no. not. That is highlight of a player's career, winning a trophy. A lot of these guys will leave Celtic. They might go on to so-called bigger clubs or bigger leagues. But they'll not get their hands on trophies as much as they've done here. And when their career's over, they'll be able to, like Graham soon has said, lay those medals out on the table. And it's going to need to be a big table for a lot of them because they've got so many, so many medals. And do you know what? That is what it's all about. As a fan, you want to see your team lift trophies. But as a player, these are the days you're going to remember. You put the fans through the ringer, but you are going to talk about that game where it was one each Two one, two each, three each, extra time, and then penalties to win it and win the fourth treble in a row. It's it's unbelievable. Uh, oh, see, you like see, you mean you like success, guys? Oh, how <laughs> obvious! How very obvious, how guys! I mean, I prefer a little bit of yeah. <laughs> how entitled can you be? Um, yeah. I've got to say, Millie, I that was something I was going to talk about as well. The celebrations after you could see what it meant to these players. Yeah, you could see what it meant to not just the players. You could see what it meant to the manager. You could see what it meant. To the new guys, you can see what it meant to the guys like Ayer who'd been there for a long time, for guys like Brown and McGregor who've been through it, all of it, every step of the way they've played their part in it as well. Even the coaching staff, the backroom staff, we grey-haired guys, I've no idea who they were running about <laughs> mad. Do you know what I mean? It meant so much. You could tell that, you know, sometimes there may be a, a disconnect. In fact, there's, I think there's definitely a disconnect between what's going on behind the scenes at Celtic and what's going on in the fans' mind. Yeah. And that represents itself in many, many ways. But, you know, any talk that the club don't want to win or they're not that fast or they're no, this means absolutely everything. I'm, everything that the club do behind the scenes, within reason, is designed and with the goal in mind of winning competitions and winning trophies and you could see that when Ayer scored that goal you could see absolutely every single person from the highest paid player to the backroom staff just going mental the elation was palpable from those guys yeah you can and look everybody's got a different story there whether it's Gavin Stratton who's just come in and this is his first trophy to John Kennedy who doesn't smile but he's hugging Lennon and all that like all the nonsense has been going on recently to guys like Odson Edward who's come in won every trophy since he's been here Scott Brown has won 12 in a row and has been here for 10 years but guys like Julian Frimpong Shane Duffy winning his first trophy at Celtic 
Julian and Frimpong came in last season and they've won every trophy so far. Every mm-hmm. every single player's came at different times, been through different things in their careers, but they've all got their own story to tell on this. And you can see by their faces, they are together. Everybody's together, but it's just, there's been a lot of things that have went wrong this season. But in days like that, you can see, look, this does mean everything to a player. These are professionals that want to win things. Just touching on the celebration still, one thing that I thought was great to see, and it showed a real touch of class from... The, the manager one you could see was absolutely delighted and he was he was you know all this talk about how it's I, I hate to even mention it on this podcast because I, I hate just addressing crap you see on Twitter on on a podcast but you know the the rumours that Neil Lennon doesn't care he's here for a payday his heart's no winner it's, he's only here because this is the biggest job he's ever all that was absolute rubbish and you, again watching the celebrations one thing was Scott Brown when he was going to collect the trophy, I don't know if you guys saw this, was telling Neil, come on Gaffer, you yeah. come and lift it, you come. And Neil Lennon said, no, this is for yous. He took himself out and let the players lift the trophy. He didn't He didn't want to, you know, he thought obviously that was Scott Brown's place. But then that clip you saw Neil Lennon just standing in the pits, just taking it all in for a minute. You're like, this is, it means the absolute world to this guy. You could tell it means the world to him and, and it should. And it should because despite everything that's going on just now, despite the fact that the performances aren't the best, He's won a treble as a Celtic manager. You can, nobody can take that away from him. And there's there's no excuses for it. Deserved the league, skin of his teeth through the League Cup, and then skin of his teeth again in the Scottish Cup final there. But nobody said winning trebles was ever supposed to be easy, Stephen. No, and it's not easy. For all the reasons we've already gone through, it's not easy or you know, dominant teams would just be sweeping the board every season. It's not easy to win these. And you know, despite the fact it is last season, they still do deserve a huge amount of credit for it. Well done there, Stephen. You managed, I thought you were going to just make a wee joke about Jamie saying Neil Lennon getting by by the skin of his teeth, but you didn't make any snooze remarks, so fair play <laughs> you there. I thought it was set up right up for you. So that is, that's the joyous side of the podcast. That is where we discuss the unmitigated joy of winning a, a treble. And there'll be more joy throughout the podcast. It's not oh, going to be doom and, doom and gloom from here on in. Um, but, but let's talk about the game. Celtic in the first half were back to the good old days. Andy Halliday cutting about raging, doing absolutely <laughs> nothing. Uh, Stephen Naismith just being a wee rat, getting torn in everybody, including Scott Brown. And if you're a Hearts fan, you've got absolutely, or any fan of any club, you've got no reason to complain about Scott Brown's behaviour because that's the game. That is the game that Andy Halliday and Stephen Naismith get involved in. Those, them's the rules. If you're going to go kicking yeah. people, standing people, winding people up, then don't be upset when you get it back after you lose the game. That is just that is just how it works, I'm afraid. Um, first half Celtic cruising, back to the good old days. Second half, a lot of things happened that I worried was going to happen and some other problems raised their heads again. But I think as much as it pains me to say it, Hearts made us work for that, so fair play to them. They made us work for that. We really, really had to dig deep and get that win. Yeah, we did. And after the first half, you're 2-0 up. Two great goals. And I hope those goals don't get lost in the, the no. story of the game because so much happened. But the first one from Ryan Christie, we've we've had a go at him for the amount of shots he's taken. But if he can hit ones like that every, what is it, one in 10 that he scores after you and Blair discussed it last week, 
if he hits one like that, that's fair enough. It was an absolute peach. And when you see that goal, you think, oh, that's going to be the goal of the game. That's going to be remembered for a while. But for Odson Edward to step up and just penenka that and absolutely disrespect everybody, including <laughs> his own fans, it is a shocker. But when Celtic get that goal, we're plain sailing and it's mental to think the game went wrong after that. Celtic were really, really positive in, in the in the beginning of the first half, Stevie. And I thought this is it, this is it, this is the way we should be playing. Now, admittedly, I thought Hearts were standing off as a wee bit. They were a bit passive Hearts. They were defending with oh, numbers. Yeah, yeah. They were defending with a lot of numbers behind the ball. But Celtic were getting forward. They were switching it from wing to wing. Scott Brown was getting involved. He was winning his battles in midfield, winning his duels in midfield. And we were playing some really smart stuff. And that goal from Ryan Christie, almost identical to the goal, goal he scored against Aberdeen in the semi-final, by the way, um, was just out of the absolute top draw. Hearts looked dead and buried in the first half. Yeah. Absolutely crushed in the first half and to the point where it looked as if it could have been any number for Celtic. They, they just weren't involved in it at all. They, they just couldn't get a, a grip of it. I don't know whether it was just the way they set up or whether they just were taken by surprise at how... I think you know, they, they switched to a 3-5-2 for the first time this season. Right, okay. So, so I don't know if they just... Uh, maybe Celtic's intensity caught them off guard a wee bit, but you know, the goal but Did itself... you hear the comments before the game from Robbie... After the game from Robbie Nielsen, why he chose that formation? He said he watched the no. last 12 games that Celtic played and any team that got a result against them played five at the back. So that's why he played no, really? five at the back. Okay. Well, I mean, it makes logical sense, I suppose. Uh, but, you know, it, it might, on another day, it might have worked out for them. The, the goal itself from Ryan Christie, so much of it was about the first touch that he takes as well because he just yeah. he takes it down out there. If he kills that ball stone dead, there's a chance that the defender can get towards him, mm. but he takes it away from goal first and actually buys him the space to get the shot away. And obviously, it's a tremendous the shot, first touch. Yeah, I mean, the goal, the shot goes without saying, bends it into the top corner, but the first touch was was perfect, really. It, it moves it away from any oncoming defender and buys him that split second that you need to get a shot away. He knows exactly where he's putting it because it's one touch to put the ball where he wants it and then in one movement he's set himself up perfectly for the shot. Yeah. It's it's absolutely brilliant. You've seen the best and the worst of Ryan Christie there because you can see, tell what he's going to do there and he executes it absolutely perfectly. But see when he's going to run up to take a penalty, you know exactly what he's going to do as well and so <laughs> right, does the yeah. goalkeeper. So just stop doing it, man. <laughs> I heard Benley obviously recorded the, the reaction, the match reaction podcast with a, a fine contributor, Ryan, after the game. And you were talking about Ryan Christie's slightly shaky record when it comes to penalties. I can remember you mentioned that one against, was it Ross County, where he missed but then knocked in the rebound? Yeah, and then so Rangers I, I, as well. Oh. A slightly checkered history when it comes to the old penalties. So maybe time to stop doing that. But we kind of criticise him for for the shooting in this game because that when it does go right for him it's absolutely you know, exquisite to watch what a, what a satisfying goal to watch that was because it's in the, the second it leaves his foot it's just you just need to watch it bend into its rightful place let's talk about exquisite though the disres <laughs> the disrespect the the disrespect that Odson Edward put on Craig Gordon's name with that panenka absolute <laughs> butter that was absolute butter that penalty Aye. the way that um I th I, for some reason I just felt like he was going to do it I was talking to you in the group chat and I was just like I just feel like he's going to panenka this it just I, I had that written all over it um, and it's you know there was stupid comments from Neil McCann calling it disrespectful I, I want to know what sort of staunch football game does Neil McCann want to watch does he just want to want a staunch 4-4-2 1-0 win and everyone shakes hands after the end of it you, that's, you watch games of football for moments like that 
And odd and Odson Edward obviously knew having played with Craig Gordon and shot probably a thousand penalties into Craig Gordon. Odson Edward must have known this guy loves to dive. He loves to dive. So if yeah. I'm ever going to hit a penalty against him, I'm just going to chip it down the middle. We've we've all spoke about Craig Gordon's penalties in the past and his terrible record at saving them. He only saved one in his time at Celtic. I don't know. Apart from Neil McCann, I don't know MD that doesn't like seeing a Penenka like that when it goes off. And for all the Penenkas you've seen over the years, if somebody just dinks it, that was the perfect one because it was just under the bar as well. So if a keeper dives in any way, he's got absolutely no chance. It was great to watch. And that's exactly what you want to see when you're watching football because it's Stephen, entertainment at the end of the day. And that's what we got. Were you disgusted, Stephen? <laughs> oh, appalled, absolutely. See, see this thing, we're giving Neil McCann too much credit. And if, if you're unaware of this, Neil McCann described that penalty as not only disrespectful, but selfish. He called it <laughs> selfish. We have a laugh about this kind of thing all the time. We're not what, just saying but, stuff. Yeah, oh, it's 100% hashtag just saying stuff. But we we have a laugh about things like this. And it's not always from a, a Hun perspective. Like we have a laugh at Charlie Adam and, and Neil McCann in this case. But we, whenever Chris Commons or Andy Walker, raises their, their daft heads we have a go at that as well but that Neil McCann thing is among the most absurd things I've ever heard in football we're giving him too much credit by by looking at it from an angle as, as that Panenka is good to watch it doesn't matter what on earth is a disrespectful penalty one that goes in is Edward supposed to give him a chance is that what we mean so bear in mind you can miss no matter any type of penalty you take you could run up and scud it straight down the middle and rattle it off the underside of the barn that does the go in so what about it is disrespectful because it is obviously the best way to get it past Craig Gordon. I, I, yeah. don't, I really well, don't understand. Any penalty is, that ends up in the back of the net is a good penalty. Aye, aye. Th- but <laughs> the technique has nothing to do with it. So for um, Brazilian Ronaldo made a career out of running through and rounding the keeper and knocking in an empty net. Is that disrespectful? Because that makes yeah. the keeper look stupid as well. <laughs> what? Very. Utterly ridiculous. And he doubled down on it on sports scene he as did. well. Yeah. He, he could... You could in, you could say anything live on the radio and then come away from it thinking, ah, do you know what, that was kind of stupid. I'm probably going to get abused for that. But then to go on telly and say it again. Oh, I to get be fair to Gary Caldwell, stuff. which is something I'd never thought I would ever say in my life. To be fair to him, <laughs> right? What he said to Neil McCann was made perfect sense. And um, he said to Neil McCann, how is it any different for doing a step over and putting a cross in? He goes, you can beat a player just by running past them or you can do a step over. He goes, he used the skill to get the ball in the back of the net. That's all he did. That's a good point. I didn't say that, but that's a very good point, yeah. There was two people on, on, there was two people on planet Earth, two humans on planet Earth that thought that was disrespectful. One was Neil McCann. The other was obviously Craig Gordon. Now, (laughs) I don't hold any disrespect towards Craig Gordon whatsoever. I hold no ill will towards Craig Gordon at all. He gave us solid service. I'm not sure why some Celtic fans do, to be perfectly honest. Um, But, I can kind of understand maybe where he's coming from. In the heat of the moment, you're like, I can't believe that expletively did done that to me. I cannot believe you've done that to me. But I, I think looking back in the morning, Craig Goddard would be like, ah, fair play, Edward. Okay, Edward. Sorry, I came, over, I came over all Paddy Edward. Bonner there. <laughs> he's got to, like, see if he's going to do his wee raging, but after it, at least have some conviction behind it he grabs the ball and then he flings it and when he goes to throw it he does that wee sort of lets it go <laughs> instead of really throwing it that way when you go to boot something but no you'll need to clean it up so you just pretend <laughs> you're going to smash it then kick it right at the last second you just kick it that's what it was like from Craigie G if you're going to get booked and do that at least have the conviction behind it I've got no disrespect for Craig Gordon either I'm certainly not doing what Odds and Edward 
has done in putting his name out there in the streets. That's the level of disrespect that <laughs> Odson Edward has for Craig Gordon. Now, it's this is a, an absolute non-story. Even the bit where Craig Gordon threw the ball, it's just one of those things. He was annoyed and chucked the ball a wee bit and get booked for it. That's that's the end of it. As you said, Melly, he'll come away from that thinking, ah, but looked a wee bit daft there. And they probably, if they'd bumped into each other in the tunnel, they'd have been like, oh, all right, my former teammate. Or... Yeah. Actually, is he a former teammate? Because technically in this game, well, Craig Gordon started this cup campaign in the Celtic team. Was he not on the bench for a lot of these games? So technically on the day, he put a penalty past his current teammate. Yeah, he did. <laughs> I scored the penalty against his teammate of the of the same of the yeah. same <laughs> tournament. It, so that's 2-0 at half-time. Celtic absolutely cruising. Back to the good old days, as I said, Andy Hardy raging, Stephen Naismith doing nothing but kicking people. And um, let, let's talk about this a wee bit. Stephen Naismith is... Well, he's a little rat, isn't he, Stephen? Give him his full he, name, Jamie. Stephen Stephen does charity work, Naismith, come on. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. He does, he, does, he does a lot of good, but on the football pitch, Stephen Naismith is just another hun. He's, in the hun. he's the hun who does all the hun things. He dives, screams yep. about getting hit, screams about getting nipped and kicked and nibbled at, but also nips, kicks, nibbles, hacks people, trips people up, fills people relentlessly. He is... And these players only ever seem to come out of Rangers. It's like taught. It must be taught to them at the club because there's so yeah. many of these guys who are in exactly the same boat. Lee McCulloch, Kirk Broadfoot, Chris Boyd, you name it. They're all cut from the same mould, if that's the phrase. Favourite bit of the game was when he did a little stamp on Scott Brown. You know, when they got in a wee tango and they did a wee stamp on Scott Brown. Billy Dodds, in commentary, said the following. Just a little tramp. <laughs> Couldn't agree more there, Billy. I don't know. <laughs> I think oh. he got caught between stamp and trample, but he just said, just a wee tramp there. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you're absolutely right. He's got previous for that as well. He did it at Tynecastle with Scott Brown Aye. as well. So yeah. it's not as if it's a one-off. You remember, he, but did he not put Johnny Hayes out for Johnny a long Hayes. time? And, and he was standing over him, shouting at him when he was lying down injured. I can't remember if he did Johnny Hayes, but he was most certainly hanging over him, uh, doing the, the Roy Keane to Haaland thing. He was screaming at him as he lay injured on the turf. He deserves everything he gets, Naismith. I've got absolutely no sympathy for him whatsoever. As an enjoyable reason as any to enjoy the, the result there was to see Naismith on the losing side of it, to be perfectly honest. Taking yep. Celtic and entirely out of it just a joy watching Naismith lose football games and the important another, ones yeah another successful trip to Hamden, Hamden for Andy Halliday as well but Celtic <laughs> came out at the in the second half and another thing that I was talking about to the boys in the group chat when I was watching the game and in the discord rather was my worry was Celtic would come out at half time concede and then collapse because mm. I think what we are dealing with here is a mentally fragile Celtic team and I think the whole team are terrified by the sieve that exists at the back end of the pitch. The, de- the sieve is back. The defence is an absolute shambles. And as the game went on, and you saw it multiple times, and Scott Brown started to lose his influence in the game, because I thought he was good in the first half, but in the second half, he started to lose his influence, started to lose his duels. Players started to get away from him. And all that happened in the second half was Hearts didn't change anything. They were just more aggressive. They were more yeah. on the front mm. foot. Scott Brown started to lose his jewels. That meant that their midfield were getting right in our defence as if he wasn't there. And some of the defending, once again, was absolutely comical. The the bit with the two players was that Julian and Duffy yeah. crash into each other, going for the one ball. Yeah. Hilarious. Uh, Connor Hazard and Christopher Ayer. No, Connor Hazard and Duffy again, was it? Both running for the same ball. Nearly skips past Hazard. Hilarious. There was so many of these wild defending errors that I, I just think this... It, it is agree with Neil Lennon, actually. It's, it must be a mental problem, Stephen. They must be so mentally fragile. However, 
just before you begin, the reason I disagree with Neil Lennon is th- the only man who can fix that is him. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the the defence is, you know, goes without saying, we've been saying it for a number of weeks now, possibly even months, the defence is an absolute mess. I would even go as far to say that I, this is the least confident I've been in a Celtic defence since the days of like Josh Thompson and Glenn Leuvens and yeah. my Storovic and guys like that. Easy. And I would, I would even look, I've not looked into the numbers of it, but I bet they conceded fewer goals than this lot do. You know, and they, they didn't look quite as hapless at times because you've just described that thing where Duffy and Julian ran into each other and all of a sudden you know, the the angle eventually wasn't as kind to Ginelli as the defence had been. So the keeper made a good save out of it, but that could easily have been a goal. But that kind of thing keeps happening. There was an incident recently with Brown and Beaton just ran into each other and then both stopped, just stopped playing and pointed at the ball. And all of a sudden someone someone's away. So I don't know why these guys co- are so, cl- I don't want so you close to, to each other. That, though. I don't want you to skip over that bit where they both bang, both banged into each other because that is pure comedy. Like to, oh, for yeah. that to happen at, at, at the level of football we are playing and the level of defender so we are together? supposed to have. Aye, why are they so close? To, why are they going for the same ball in the first place? Why are they so close together? Who's in what Panic position? And, shit, shit, aye. shit, we need to get idiot. <laughs> the defence is calamitous at times and you know, that that was just silliness. We're, we've had the, the memes of Shane Duffy happening all season where he just looks as if he's completely... He looks Duffy. as if he's been dropped in <laughs> out of another image. I, um, the defence, I don't know if they're working on this that, to try and fix the organisation of the defence, but even if they are, it doesn't matter because clearly if they are drilling down on this defence, then the ideas aren't right or the players aren't right or something because the the organisation of the defence just seems riotous. You can make the distinction between organisation and individual mistakes, but again, why are they so close together? Why are the two central defenders holding hands in a ball that's coming down the inside left channel? I, I don't understand what is going through their minds at the time. It's strange to think that we're talking about a team that a team that's just won a quadruple treble and how they're so professional, they always get the job done, so strong mentally, but at the same time we're talking about how fragile this team is and all it takes is just to concede a goal. And it's again, this is what worried me about the game after the two decent results against Leo and Coman that we thought, see if we go out here and win the cup, we can we can press on from there and win these games before we go to Ibrox and hopefully build up a bit of steam, a bit of momentum. But the way this game panned out, it just made me more terrified because nothing's been sorted. The goals are the same. We've changed it. And again, the ball, it's just a long ball from Craig Gordon, which we know he's terrible at. The is it uh, White got it on the left-hand side, goes down. Ayer should cut it out, doesn't. He goes past Ayer. We don't clear it. It's played back to Halliday. His cross in. Julian is marking nobody. Boyce goes in behind Duffy. Duffy has a look over his shoulder, sees him and continues not to mark him. And the guys get a free header inside the six-yard box for Celtic. It's criminal. Celtic 2-0 up at half-time. Just need to get through the first five, ten minutes of that half, settle into the game. But we didn't. We were all over the place. And again, we've seen it. We've seen it so many times this season. Jamie's already mentioned it. All it took in the second half was one pass through the midfield and Celtic are wide open. We knew it was going to happen putting Scott Brown in. I think he was all right in the first half, but second half, he was all over the place. Celtic were all over the place and it just showed in the performance because that goal going in so early in the game rattled the team so much and that is worrying because at the end of the day, Hearts are a championship team. An overlooked detail about that goal is that, yeah, well, all the panic was going on around about him. When the header, the free header was made, I didn't spot this at the time, but with the benefit of replays, Julian has a big grip of Naismith's shirt as well. So it 
potentially have been a penalty. Even if the keeper had made the save, they probably would have given a penalty anyway. And it just shows it's another instance of not knowing a guy's there until it's too late. So he just he grabs his shirt because Naismith, if the ball breaks, he's going to be the first one to it. So the only choice is to commit a foul as the ball's crossing the line anyway. It's it's disheartening it's, to see this, the, the, the defence play like that. We need to absolutely get to the bottom of it because it's all for me, it's all about taking responsibility but doing that in a controlled way. Christopher Ayer, when you, when you watch the go back, had about four opportunities to stop that ball going in. Yeah. When the boy, it's just a ping up to the, it's a ping up to the boy for the goalkeeper, right? So Christopher Ayer's out of position anyway and doesn't win that first ball, doesn't win the header. Positioning's all wrong. The guy, the guy has got, Christopher Ayer's got about a foot and a half on the boy, right? The boy pops over Christopher Ayer's head and runs by him. Christopher Ayer catches up with him, doesn't cut out the cross. The boy cuts it on his, on his right foot. Chris Fryer has another opportunity to cut out the cross, doesn't do it. When it's played back to Halliday, Chris Fryer still within four yards, doesn't cut that cross out, partially because we find Callum McGregor back putting out fires again, but not actually doing anything, just standing in the way. And then you're right, Duffy's positioning is awful. Like, it's it's mind-boggling to me why a, a defender with the experience of Duffy just clip that and we'll put that in every time Duffy makes a mistake. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Because I, I'm bored of saying it. Gets caught underneath the ball. And and the guy that heads it in, again, is about a foot shorter than everyone else in our box. It just a, It's a goal that should never have happened. Ever have happened. Never have went in. No, and it's a horrible time for Celtic as well because it just gives Hearts that belief. And as you said, they were just more aggressive and Celtic just, they just floundered. They just collapsed after that because every time Hearts went forward, you thought... Oh, this is bad, and you can blame the goalkeeper. We can blame the defence as well, but this has to start from the front as well. Celtic's pressing is absolutely shocking. It was diabolical in the second half. We weren't closing down. We have to stop the balls getting through for the defence to have a chance as well. But it's too many times. It's easy for teams to play through Celtic, and it was done so many times at the weekend. There. Let's talk about the second goal that Hart scored. They managed to score a set piece and against Celtic. Story Down the right hand side, set piece every time. Every Conceding goals at set pieces. We we had a tactics board special that we released just a couple of days ago. The amount of content, the amount of podcasts and video we have <laughs> released in the last week on that Patreon is absolutely ridiculous. If you're wanting your Celtic fill, um, and what we had was our tactics resident tactics expert have a look over Celtic from the beginning of the season to now to just sort of do a half season report card and where it all went wrong. And what he found out was if Celtic hadn't conceded the goals that we'd conceded from set pieces our goals conceded rate would be the same as Rangers. So the difference between us in the league and Rangers at the moment is all the goals we are conceding from set pieces. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, Connor Hazard here. Oh. Uh, he was taken out of the game by Stephen Naismith, right? Whilst that is probably a free kick and, and, and maybe another with another game, yeah, uh, it's that's football and yeah. that is the what yeah. you would call, Stephen, the dark arts of the game. And Stephen Naismith is an experienced player, but Connor Hazard is six foot five, and it's his goalkeeper. It's, sorry, it's his penalty area. He need if he's coming for that ball, he needs to make sure it's hap- make sure he's getting it. He needs to clear Stephen Naismith out of the way. Stephen Naismith just puts his bum into him and pushes Connor Hazard, takes Hazard Aye. completely out of the game. Uh, so Connor Hazard needs to maybe maybe it's immaturity, but he needs to wake up to that side of the game. He can't let a player like Stephen Naismith just bully you off the ball like that. No, I suppose with the naivety of it, there's shades of early Kepa or David De Gea back in the day where you turned up in a league and thought, well, I I don't know if I necessarily belong here yet, so you're a wee bit of a kind of timid 
presence mm. and you're letting people kind of take advantage of you. There's a wee bit maybe shades of that from Hazard. The thing with Hazard is we can no longer talk about him as third choice keeper because that's a bit of a paradox in that if you've got three keepers available and you pick that guy, he's not your third choice. He is the man you chose for the job. He's not the third choice keeper. He was the first choice in this game because the other and two he's not were a young available. player. You know, this, no, it, it, I, I want to give Hazard the benefit of the doubt. He's, he's, his career is young, um, playing mm. for Celtic, but he's in the same age bracket as the likes of Odds and Edward. You know, I think he's the same age as Odds and Edward, for example. Yeah. He's not asked 18 year old, 19 year old type David Marshall. He's 22, nearly 23, Melly. Mm. Yeah, he is. And look, it wasn't just that when it was before that. He seemed to come into the team, and for, for a guy who's playing his third ever game for Celtic to be in a cup final, you have to think, well, we must have had like a Marshall performance against Barcelona or Rangers before that, but he simply hasn't. He's he's not really made any saves that he shouldn't have made. The same as Barkas, I'd say. I, I don't think he's... I don't really know if Barkas is good, but I don't know if uh, Hazard done enough to warrant his place. He was maybe the most confident keeper going into it, but we've seen against Lille that the one that went get played through he just let it hit off him he didn't save it he was just lucky the guy didn't take a touch but again in this game that one with Duffy if he's running out that far he just has to go through and clear that he didn't Naismith gets a touch on it there was the one where Elianusi heads it back because he can't head it away and instead of coming out and claiming the ball looking strong it just hits off him again he's not he doesn't look as if he's commanding and then for this one to jump like that I don't even think it's a foul because he's going back the way and Naismith's going into him so it's not as if Naismith's pushing him back for me he's got to be stronger and he's got to command his area and it's just another problem for Celtic because he didn't look good on the third goal either and for a guy like that been in a, a massive game like that I thought that was a mistake from Lennon just goes against his thing about playing the guys that got us there because Hazard wasn't even at the club last season or in the picture in the semi-final so it's another mental one and we, we could absolutely destroy that boy yesterday if he hadn't managed to redeem himself in the penalty shootouts because if we'd have lost that game two of the goals were his fault and it probably would have been pinned on him and after three games for that in your career it's difficult to come back from that When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The set piece, Stephen, the way Celtic set up, you know, from the corner, everyone sort of was marking their man. There was some zonal. Hearts really flooded the box. They got seven guys into the, the penalty box for Celtic. You know, they were really trying to attack it. We didn't have a guy on the back post which might have prevented it. Instead, we've, we've opted to put sort of David Turnbull, who I, I think maybe didn't pick his man up. The boy that eventually scored, and his name escapes mm. me, Kingsley. probably should, Kingsley, probably should have been better picked up by David Turnbull. But again, uh, and this is something that I was discussing with Blair on the tactics pod, these set pieces that Celtic conceded, right? <clears throat> they're not being dreamt up by tactical geniuses. No. They're not. They're not. These, no. and, and this is a running theme this season. It's Robbie Nielsen, Hearts manager, Championship level manager. He's not the next Jose Mourinho. He's he's not the next Pep. He's not coming up with wild set piece routines. It's just bad defending and bad organisation in the box. Yeah, uh, same old story. It's the a tale as old as time when it comes to this season. It's it's now at the stage where every single set piece that comes into Celtic's box, I, I fear the worst. That I, well, it's not even about me fearing the worst. That's that kind of paints a picture that I'm being defeatist or being negative about it. I'm not. I've just accepted the fact that Celtic are under serious pressure every time the ball comes in the box or even crosses the half rail line. Sometimes this is it goes towards what I was saying earlier. I don't know how much work has been done on these things, but ultimately it doesn't really matter because we're not seeing it. We're not seeing any progression. We're not seeing any any development on how they set up from set pieces because it's the same old story every single time. There doesn't seem to be any communication, and that's another example of what we saw with Julian and Duffy earlier, uh, where they just ran in each other. It, it, it seems like the everyone in the team just speaks a different language from each other and yeah. they're unable to communicate with each other, which clearly isn't the case. But that's what it looks like to me as an observer. You know, Celtic managed to score from a set piece as well to make it 3-2. We, you know, to compare and contrast the way that Hearts attacked the corners and the way that Celtic attacked the corners, although we both scored from them. Celtic, I think when the ball went in, had only four players in the Hearts box when we took our set piece. But that run from Scott Brown, that's the sort of thing that's what you're getting, that's what you want to see more of from Scott Brown, you want to see this focus, this energy, the aggression and experience pinpoint, you want to see it focused on something and the way he threw himself at that ball for the corner coming in, he was determined to impress himself on the game, he obviously, I think Craig Gordon eventually made the save but Lee Griffiths was just super sharp to react and make it 3-2. Yeah, when you get that, you think, right, that's it but not with this team. Any other Celtic team in this run of 12 trophies, you'd think, right, that's it. We've got ourselves. We're in extra time here. We've been up to against To be fair, it. I did think that was it. I did think. When we went 3-2 up, yeah. I thought that was it. It should be, but Celtic's game management was absolutely shocking from the right in the second half, right up to the very end of the game. I thought, felt we were held, holding on after we got to 2-2. And again, another worry that we don't stop goals down the right-hand side, we don't stop goals from set pieces, and again, Neil Lennon's substitutions are so weird. Why are you bringing on Tom Rogic onto a Hamden pitch in a game where your midfield's been overrun already and having him and Scott Brown in central midfield on this huge pitch? Absolutely mental. And bringing off Turnbull, who wasn't great, but he wasn't any worse than Brown, McGregor, 
Elianusi or Christie. It was a strange substitution, and we know what we get from Turnbull. We can get the set pieces. Again, that game was crying out for Celtic to control the midfield and get some width, and we didn't have that with Johnson. We had Frimpong on the bench that could have made a difference, but his substitutions were all wrong again, and Celtic completely lost control of the game. Now, he did bring on Lee Griffiths, who gets the goal, but just towards the end of the game, after Hearts got the second goal, I felt there was only one winner, and Celtic were hanging on, waiting for extra time, and that in itself is unbelievably bad for Celtic, because we are looking at this now, wanting to go to Ibrox and probably needing to win, or at least to avoid defeat, but the way Celtic performed in the 90 minutes should have been enough for Neil Lennon if they had to lost that game for to go after that. But we got the goal from Griffiths, who came in ahead of Klamala, which is, again, something weird from Neil Lennon because he's seen Klamala's doing well recently. So I just don't know what's going on anymore. But as you say, Melly, you, you think 3-2, you think that's it, but it wasn't to be for Celtic. Another set piece, another goal, and a, another thing I want to focus on is a theme of this season. Well, we've already spoken about Conor Hazard, didn't do well enough, should have cleared that ball. When the goal eventually went in, and this is a running theme we've seen, and it's something that I'm trying to understand from Christopher Ayer's point of view, Christopher Iyer doesn't react, so the boy at the back post actually runs beyond Christopher Iyer and pops it in at the net because Christopher Iyer stopped watching. Christopher Iyer has made a habit of this this season where he stops and lets the ball Team. run past them in the, in the in a in a dangerous area. But what I mean is Christopher Iyer's if if we're marking zonally, for example, whatever you want, the ball's closest to Christopher Iyer and he lets it run by him and it ends up in the back of the net because the boy just runs past Christopher and goes, well, if you're not going to get it, I'll get it and stick it in the back of the net. That is, from Christopher Ayer's point of view, I can only put that down to two things, Stephen. It's either he sees the, the defence in front of him miss the ball and he thinks, oh, f- f- this is going to end up in the back of the net anyway. There's no point in me doing anything, right? So he's, it's a defeatist attitude where he just, he's resigned to the ball already going in the back of the net and doesn't react. Or it's the opposite. He thinks, oh, well, it's no big deal if I don't get it because there's a couple of good players beside me and if I miss it, somebody else will get it. But it's we saw it in Sparta. We saw it against Sparta. We see it all season. Mm. Just he just relinquishes responsibility of these balls that are very very close to him that he should be alert to and reacting to. And, and this was it again. Well, either of the scenarios you have put forward there, neither is ideal to be perfectly no, honest. No, there's really no, not. There's not really any excuse to be thinking either one of those things. I, I know I I as as much as I've focused on Duffy and Julian um, because I think to be honest they're the main culprits when it comes to the defensive problems this season. I can be guilty of switching off at times as well. The, the difficulty here is uh, I want to also acknowledge the fact that Ayer has did have very good contributions in the game as well, but we're, oh, we're aye, talking aye. about, yeah, it was very good going forward, was involved and in, goes on these runs down the right and I think they're, they're brilliant, very difficult to deal with. They're, in fact, one time he was just absolutely booted up in the air. Somebody just had to go through him and take him down when he was on one of his runs. But at the same time, you know, it, it doesn't really gloss over the fact that he, he can you know, be slightly guilty defensively. But that again, we're we're speculating here. But what we're left with time and again is the fact that all of them, nobody seems to know what their job is at any yeah. given mm. time. Every t- and again, I, I know I'm repeating myself here, but every time the ball goes into the box or comes within 40 yards of the goal line, I feel like everyone just switches off. And it's this is it's a discussion we're going to need to have as well because as, as Melly said that. If Celtic had lost that game, which they didn't, you know, the Neil Lennon question comes back up again. But despite winning trophies or going on winning runs and stuff like that, when you look into the actual drill down into the actual details of games, the organization of a team is found wanting, found lacking mm. just yeah, every single time, almost every single game. And that has played into a big part of why people want change at the club. And 
it's not just it's not just a personal thing. It's not just like oh he's a Lennon hater or he's a massive Lennon fan. But sometimes you're able to just look at a team and think you're not getting any better despite the you know the odd positive result here and there. And it's again look the ball goes over Hazard's poor. It's a, again a header at the back post that goes back across and as you say Ayers switched off. Cal McGregor's I think it was Cal McGregor on the line. Like everybody just ball watching or doing the wrong thing, but. Stop the source as well. Ryan Christie, again, I'm sure it was him giving away a stupid free kick, which allows them. Celtic, we've been so bad at defending set pieces. We said it in the AC Milan game. Don't give teams an opportunity. Celtic gave, Ryan Christie gave the, one of the best free kick takers in the world a free hit from just outside the box. And again, we're giving away these stupid free kicks. John Beaton's a ref. You know every time hearts are going to go down, they're going to get the foul. And if we're going to Ibrox, Rangers are going to do the exact thing, the exact same oh, thing. Yeah. It's yeah, going yeah, to yeah. be Morelos, it's going to be Kent, and they're going to be whipping it in from Tavernier or Barisic. Celtic need to cut out these stupid mistakes. Giving away free kicks in those areas is absolutely criminal in any sort of game, never mind in a season where Celtic are so bad at defending the plays from it. Yeah, I mean, you don't win many cup finals conceding three goals no. in the game. <laughs> yeah. you, you don't win many cup yeah, finals blowing a a two-goal lead. So the game the game went to penalties. I think at the end of the game, it was obvious that Celtic wanted to take it to penalties. There was a throw-in in Celtic's half um, towards the end of the game and nobody wanted to take it. No, usually you would expect to see Celtic busting to get the ball back into play. We left it. We wanted to take it to penalties. And I was worried about penalties because of Conor Hazard's performance in the game. The fact that Craig Goddard was an experienced keeper. He was familiar with our penalty takers. I was very worried about the game going to penalties. But Stephen, you made a good point in the Discord. You know, just because Conor Hazard's not particularly adept at coming for crosses doesn't mean he's a bad shot stopper. Yeah. Fewer decisions to be made in a penalty shootout, really. Mm. Just on the, the surface of things that... All he has to do is concern himself with keeping the ball out of the net and he knows where it's coming from. There's no decisions to be made on what angles to close down or to come for a cross or not or to shut. You know, none of that. All of that is taken out of the equation. Really, he just has to save the ball from going over the line, as simple as that seems to, to say. So I was in that way, I was more confident in him being able to do that rather than make the hundreds of micro decisions that come into you know, an actual goalkeeping performance. Just before we get on to the penalty shootouts, Jamie, you said Neil Lennon said... It's obviously psychological, this thing with Celtic. But see, if I'm looking at it, I'll say, well, Celtic went 2-0 up. Then were pulled back to 2 each. They went 3-2 three, three up and then 3 each. And then they managed to win on penalties. Is that not quite a mentally strong team that they keep getting pegged back and they go on and win it? it I is. don't think... I don't think it is psychological. It's it's all organisation for me. No, no, I think... Just... Oh, you, could, you could be right. Because I, I tweeted during the game that, you know... This team is mentally fragile, but after it says, was that a question? What my like? Am I right to question this team's motivation because they fought their way back and fought their way back and fought their way back? But I think as a group, we've got a group of winners there that can get us that can get us through by sheer determination of will that this team can cobble together a win yeah. somehow. But I think the the balance of that is heavily leaning towards the players at the front end of the pitch and the players at the back end of the pitch are just. I honestly think that that defence is just absolutely bereft of confidence. Well, that's that's a uh, that's all but management, man. Yeah, it? you're right. Because where do they get confidence from? They get confidence from good organisation and good instruction. Yeah. So if the manager's putting them out and saying this is exactly what you have to do and it's failing, then 
that's on the players, but it's not. Everybody's all over the place. And these guys are getting the manager out of a hole from just because they know how to win. They know how it's done. But we really need to... It's not going to happen now because we would if Neil Lennon was going to change it, it'd have been changed weeks, months ago. But I it's think not the problem with these set better. pieces is that we're, we're, every time we solve a problem, we create a problem. So every time we solve a problem with set piece, so we had a problem with set pieces. Say, for example, we thought the solution to that problem was getting Julian back in the team, right? Well, the minute mm. Julian comes back in the team, we drop Barkas and put Bain in. And then Bain's crap. And we go, right, okay, right. So the problem is now Bain, right? Let's put Hazard in. But Hazard comes in and then we move Ayer to right back. So the defence in this team, the back three or four or five or six or however many you want to call it, is a, is just a constantly changing sea. It's it's so fluid. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like we don't have... Sometimes, aye, sometimes I think the solution, Melly, would be, you know, just Neil Lennon says, this, this, this is my team and I'm going to stick with them. This chopping and changing of goalkeepers is a mystery to me. Now, I know that Barkas is struggling to sell, right? Mm. And if you look, all the new guys that haven't come to the club from Scotland are struggling to sell. Every single one of them. Yeah, It must be the, the way the things are, how bad things are with the coronavirus restrictions in Glasgow. They've got no life. Trainings are very weird and all that sort of stuff. For whatever reason, they're struggling to settle. So what I will say is going out the January transfer window, if we want to do business... That's something we really need to take into consideration. We really need to take into consideration where we're bringing these guys from. But the Barkas thing in particular, I am absolutely convinced that he's not a worse goalkeeper than Conor Hazard. Because if he was, we wouldn't have spent £5 million on him in the summer. Celtics are problems are there for everyone to see. And look, just going back to the, the tactics pod you did with Blair, Jamie, he just, it was stark listening to it because we're talking about free goalkeepers. What did they say? We've had 11 defensive pairings at the centre. How many parents up front? It was 10, wasn't it? Something like that, more maybe 10 more. Or 11. How many right backs? It's all throughout the team, and chopping and changing isn't going to help MD. Up front again, Odson Edwards scored the Penenka, but two or, he should have had two or three extra goals. He hit two or three at Craig Gordon. He could have finished it in the first half, 3 0. When Hearts go down, he get his back to it's 2 1. He felt bad for the penalty. He felt uh, bad for the penalty so and wanted to give shown, him more of a chance with the, the actual chances. He's shown a little respect to Craig G by hitting them straight at him. So Celtic, but Blair said it as well. Odson Edwards getting the same chances, but he's not putting them away. So Celtic's problem aren't just at the back. They're all over the pitch here. And we really had to solve it before now. And this game again just highlighted that we are fragile all over the pitch, to be honest. The game went to penalties. What was your favourite penalty? So it's obviously Chris Ayers because it's the winner. It has to be Chris I was a big fan of Cal McGregor's as well. Cal McGregor's was good. Do you hear what Chris Fryer said after the game? He said he 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 wanted it. He said he wanted it. He loves the pressure of hitting the fifth penalty. He said he had so much cramp in his muscles that he didn't trust his body to direct where the ball wanted to go, so he just wanted to smash it right down the middle. <laughs> and was, I mean, you don't save that. You do, I mean, no. you just don't save that, especially if you're Craig Gordon, you're not saving it anyway, but Craig Gordon's diving that. He absolutely thundered that, Stephen, right into the centre of the goal. Yeah, and it went into the same area of the goal as Edwards did, so is the respect <laughs> come... Does the respect purely come in the velocity of it? Because absolutely smashing the ball past the keeper, giving him no chance of saving it, I, I don't know if there's any more respectful Unsportsman, It's unsportsmanlike, yeah. <laughs> not giving the keeper a chance to save it. Oh, what, what an absolute what, The drama of those penalties was absolutely unreal, though. Oh. And it's, it's so much hinged on it. Like, just so much hinged on it. You don't want... To, I mean, three trebles is outrageous. Three trebles and a double is ridiculous. But uh, four to trebles... Lose it, lose it in penalty shootouts would have been After horrendous. going 2-0 up, it would have been 
absolutely minging. And the, the outpouring of anger on the back of that if they had lost it. But you said it, Millie. You know, the mental strength to stand up, take those penalties. Christopher Iyer asking to take the, yeah. the, 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 the last penalty. The, the balls this team have got, unbelievable. Yeah, it showed a lot of cojones. I mean, McGregor stepping up, he's the captain. When Brown goes off, Lee Griffith stepping up after just coming on. And another guy I want to give uh, kudos to, he gets a, a hard time a lot of the time, I feel, is Mikey Johnson. Out of football for 10 months, but played one game since he's came back and he's came on as a sub again. And he steps up and buries a penalty. That There's guys there like Tom Rogic still on the pitch who didn't want to step up, obviously, and take it in the fifth. He might have been the sixth guy, but you'd expect when a penalty shootout, all your technical players in the pitch, one of your five should be Tom Rogic, but for Mikey Johnson to step up and guys like Ayer as well, it just shows this is a team of winners. It's just not going right for us now and we need to get that sorted. But kudos to Johnson, Ayer and Hazard, all the guys that scored and even Christie. I mean, just don't let him take any more. Come on, it's, <laughs> no. it's done. Just another thing as well. I said it yesterday on the reaction. Penalties are so strange because you end up, cheering more or getting more from the fact that the other team misses than you do your own team scoring. You kind of expect them to score, but for Connor Hazard to decent saves, but poor penalties, but decent saves, to save two penalties, you're almost, I always cheer louder when a penalty saved or the other team misses and just for them to miss two in a row after Christie done it, that was their chance. That was the moment they had to score. If they had scored after Christie had missed, they probably would have went on to win it, but for Hazard to get across... It was just such a sweet relief when he managed to save them because you just felt, oh no, because all the penalties before that were good. But then when he just saved that that second one, I was like, that's it. We have to win it now. There's no hope. And Christopher I was never going to miss that with that. Because my dad always used to say about Tommy Gemmell when I was a wee guy, just one of these things he used to always say was, even when Tommy Gemmell took a shot, if it went straight to the keeper, it would take the keeper into the net because his penalty was, or his yeah. shot was that hard. That would die. Or if Craig Gordon had stood there, it would have taken him right in at the back of the net as well. No respect. Then no. <laughs> you cheer more for the the goalkeepers or the opposition missing because it's unexpected. It's, yeah, you know, you, yeah. you should be scoring penalties. The penalties are weighed heavily for the taker rather than the goalkeeper. So if somebody saves something, it is that moment of shock. Is it is an unexpected it's- moment? Just on that, I can't remember who I was. It was last week. It might have been, it might have been Hearts. I can't remember. Some player was asked after the game, was he nervous taking the penalty? And he went, "Well, it's just a shot for twelve yards, isn't it?" <laughs> well, <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he goes, "It's just a one-on-one for twelve yards, so not really." Um, oh, it was the the, the, the uh, St. Mirren striker. Was it? I knew. Was, I knew. Yeah. I heard it. I knew. I heard it very recently. I was like, "There you go. That's as cool as you like." Um, so Celtic win the shootout. The place absolutely erupts. It, it I sounded heard like a Foster slide as well in there. Love it, it. It sounded like there was fans in the stadium because mm, of the amount yeah. of cheering from the Celtic staff and backroom staff. I watched the Celtic unique angle Great. thing on on Twitter recently. It, recently this weekend, it looked as though a lot of the Celtic players went over to speak to Craig Gordon after the game. You didn't see it on the BT shots. Um, but it looked as if that happened on the on the unique angle. You could see that. Um, so Celtic lift the cup, quadruple treble. But as we know, that's not the whole story because I said during the game uh, that are we supposed to have confidence in this Celtic team winning the league? And despite the fact it was a cup final, despite the fact that it was last season's cup final, Stephen, what it was was another game on a weekend during a patch where Celtic need to be playing better. And yeah, there is no and... doubt that they're not playing better. If you take that game in isolation and you watch that Celtic team 
and you watch Rangers, right, the way that Rangers have been performing recently, or whoever team is uh, happens to be at the top of the league, it's it's just a game where you're like, I, I really want to, but am I seriously supposed to believe that this team have got it in them to win this league? Yeah, that's the thing. This is the bigger picture at play here because we, we can only apologise to anyone who has taken this podcast the wrong way. We, we're all sitting there like being negative about a cup win, but we didn't. We, we, that's why we wanted to upfront talk about how you yeah. know, amazing a moment that was and how much of a tremendous achievement it was. But the bigger picture here is that the, the weird circumstances around this final means that it's last season's trophy, right? So it's already kind of weird and, and unprecedented, that word of the year, unprecedented. Mm. So we, we, we already find ourselves in a, an unusual situation. But the bigger picture is Celtic's form, the, the way Celtic have been playing this season. And, you know, it, as much as it was it was a welcome relief, it was a respite from the, the league and you know the European stuff for it, to go and play a cup final. I said last week that, uh, I felt a little bit of ambivalence towards it, but that's only because I was kind of getting carried away in the, the kind of malaise of the season. It's totally different when I woke up on the day and was able to get into it. The issue here is whether we can see Celtic getting better going forward. Mm. And there was really not much evidence in that game to suggest that they're going to, because it was yet another performance that was made harder by the organisation of the team than it should have been. I'm not buying into this, oh, but they're a championship team. Yes, they are, but they're going to run away with that league. To all intents and purposes, they are or are going to be a Premiership team, right? Hearts are above... It's nice to say they're a championship team, but isn't it? Oh, oh yes, it is. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm absolutely delighted when Hearts were, were sent packing, sent back into the lower <laughs> league. But uh, I think like, in terms of just their... Even their manager and some of the players they have, they are a cut above what you would normally find down there, and I fully expect them to come back up. So I'm not taking the view that, they, that I would totally dismiss their ability to at least trouble Celtic because... They've been winning a lot of games this season and if you believe, if you buy into any of the chat we often have about the psychology of winning and, you know, the mentality and all that that comes, then it wasn't a rollover. Your hearts could have caused problems going into the game and they certainly did eventually. So do I see Celtic getting better at this point? No, not really. To, no. to be perfectly honest, I think um, there were a lot of problems. I had problems going into it. I keep saying the word problems, but, you know, this is the situation we find ourselves in. The Scott Brown thing going in, we we had our you know, arguments and debates over that whether he was bringing back the hardcore, which he didn't do. There were several players that got us to the final who were left out. Among them, Frimpong, Laxalt, Scott Bain, near Beaton, they were all involved in getting us to the final. It was really only Scott Brown that came back. And my overall feelings on that were it was okay. We got away with it. No, that's enough. That's yeah, enough. I, that that's probably the last. We got away. He was with probably it, on the pitch half an hour too long. Yeah, definitely. Oh, unquestionably, yeah. Um, so in my mind, they risked compromising that trophy for a bit of sentimentality and what they felt was the right thing to do and picked Scott Brown for it. He wasn't the only culprit on the day, but I don't think it really worked out. <laughs> At times it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun watching him getting it right up at the absolutely beleaguered Andy Halliday because that's exactly mm -hmm. what he was. Yeah. I feel like every time I see Andy Halliday, he's just a bit downtrodden. <laughs> Bear in mind he, that I've ever seen him play against Celtic. I'm stuck. I am stuck. He's like, um, he's like a perennial loser. He's like, what's his face? What? 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 He's like Rick Moranis in Ghostbusters. <laughs> Andy Halliday. Yeah, that's a very good example. Yeah. Just Do you know, that. I'm stuck. It's getting to the point now where I'm actually starting to feel for him. I'm starting to feel sorry for him. Like, yeah, oh, mate, yeah. This is this is, is this is just uncomfortable watching. He's downtrodden. He's Rick Moranis. He's running about with only half of his shirt tucked in and all that kind of thing. Aye. Just you know, getting into various like, unfortunate escapes. Yeah. So 
it was a lot of fun at times with Scott Brown, but I think it went on far too long. It seemed to be like we were going to play him for 120 minutes purely because, you know, it's it's the cup final. We need to play him. It's for like a, a photo op here. That it we, seems we like need what to you're saying to Neil Lennon, the trophy. It seems like what you're saying to Neil Lennon is, okay, right, you had the Scott Brown thing, you had your fun, but let's let's get back to the real business of winning ah, games yeah. now. Got away with it, basically, uh, is what I think we got away with that, that selection, to be honest. He picked a guy who was who was known to not be informed because it was the right thing to do. I don't want to get back into that debate just now, but I think the performance that Scott Brown put in was decent at first, but then all the stuff that he's in there for, the leadership and driving the team on, that all went away. He was he was the, the most visible, he was the widest guy in the world in the first half when Celtic were playing well. But then when Hearts get back in it, he was nowhere. He was absolutely yeah. nowhere. And I, I don't I don't want to focus too much on him because again he wasn't the the only culprit. But I just think, right, we got away with that one. Let's let's well, try and move on. Have you seen the last Rocky movie where he's like an old man? Ah, Babo. Rocky yeah, Babo. Right. Are you familiar with it? Basically the story is there's this young whippersnapper new on the scene, all, he's like Dolph Lundgren brought into the new day, do you know what I mean? Except he's good, so he's got all the technology, all the money, the best training, and then there's the old, beleaguered, end of his career, Rocky Balboa, still hitting the big bits of beef, and then he, he, he goes into the match and he manages to scrape himself through, spoiler alert, scrape himself through this boxing match, this exhibition match on his last legs, his last punch, and it's a draw, and he gets the draw, but he goes out with his head held high, I feel Celtic are like Rocky Balboa in this analogy. I feel like this Celtic team, they're visibly coming to the end of a run here. Oh, definitely. Right? Except, except we have all the money and technology and training stuff that the other guy (laughs) does. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what I mean? We're Rocky, we're the downtrodden, feel like we're the the struggling to pull a team together, pulling ourselves out of these games on our hands and knees, except we've got every advantage going. So it's not quite the same romantic story. And it looks like we're going to lose the fight at the end of it as well. So it's not really quite the same romantic story. It's not the same film, but we are basically Ivan Drago in that we're bigger, we're we're better, we've got all the technology going, but we've also got like asthma or something like that. That's holding us back, right? Okay, I can get on. You know what I mean? So I don't don't know why I get this feeling about this Celtic team. We've got every advantage going. We really need to make it count. We won the cup. It was brilliant. We won the quadruple treble. It was amazing. It was someday and it was fantastic to see it. We'll never see it again. But in the here and now, there's a league to win. And that performance, as well as the performances we've seen all season, give you no confidence that Celtic can turn it around. And none of us want anything more than Celtic turning it around. But that game there, if you think that Celtic team who can lose three goals to to Hart and Midlothian in a Scottish Cup final and get taken to penalties... If we're supposed to believe that that Celtic team can turn around this massive deficit, then honestly, it's really taken more faith than I've got. Um, on Neil Lennon's point of view, he said that that, that win is really going to help the players because there was a lot of pressure and blah, blah, blah. It remains to be seen if that's true, Melly. But there's no doubt that although we are thankful, grateful and appreciative of what we witnessed with Celtic winning that trophy, it's just chalk it down to another subpar performance. Yeah, definitely. It's just another one you're looking at. We can just look at the last three finals we've been in. And even when you look back to the first treble, the second treble, look at the lineup starting the game. This is a considerably worse Celtic team than the rest of them. In the finals, Hearts, we get away with it. The first time Edward goes through and score. Rangers, we definitely get away with it because we have a keeper in this one, albeit a championship team in, in 
in the way that the league are in, but it's a championship team. You're 2-0 up and you end up conceding three goals and needing a penalty shootout to beat them. Well, we are going backwards. We've seen the end of an era. We know that. But Celtic, we have to be better. In this game, I was looking for Celtic to go out, dominate the game and get through it and not look shaky at the back. I didn't get any of that. Again, we go up. We look decent going forward. As soon as something goes wrong, we're rattled and we can see goals. The game management from the players on the pitch, Scott Brown brought back in for this, didn't show any of the leadership, didn't show anything that we're told he does in that second half. Neil Lennon at the sidelines didn't look too inspiring for me. He slumped in his chair when we let in goals and his substitutions, none of them had an effect on the game apart from Lee Griffiths scoring from a set piece or rebound. So there's lots of questions for Celtic to answer. The only way this can change anything is if the team get a boost from it. But at the end of the day, Structurally, it was shocking. We need to get Sorrow back in there at the back. We need to show up and stop these things. We had one game where it's not happened. Again, 2-0 up. This is the third time in this run of fixtures since October that Celtic have been 2-0 up and they failed to win the game in 90 minutes. That is criminal for a Celtic team. How are we going to go the next 20-odd league games needing to score three or four goals in every game to win it is simply not going to happen so we have to change everything now a final thing on what we've been talking here I know it kind of feels like we're popping the balloon a wee bit of having won a cup final and that's that's not the case we've obviously we all absolutely loved winning another treble and it's just another fantastic achievement but see with what we've been talking about here with the, the Rocky analogy and being at the end of the road and all that this is ultimately why I still you know, I want change. I want Lennon to go, to be yeah. perfectly honest. is because I, as a fan, purely from my own point of view here, I want to feel like I'm at the start of something. I want to feel like I'm at the start of a new, exciting project where, mm. you know, it, it might not work out. You know, there's an inherent risk with starting any new chapter with a new manager or whatever. I just don't want to f- any longer feel like we're in the death throes towards the end of an era where we're giving people games because they deserve it, we're giving people cup finals because they deserve it, we're giving people trophies because they deserve it and they're club legends and all that kind of thing. I just don't want to feel as if we're just slowly limping and wheezing our way to potentially just hoping against hope of winning the 10 in a row against all the odds. I don't want to feel like that anymore. I feel like you know, I just, I just, as I say, I just want to be at the start of something. I want to feel you know, invigorated by what we can buy into. See, um, the the sentence may as well get behind them. That's nothing to buy into. No. You know, that's that's no. nothing. That doesn't mean anything to anyone. That's just a you know, that's just settling for something. So, the, basically, those those are my feelings going forward about it. Nothing really necessarily to do with the cup final, but I just you know, I, I watched some of that and I I just thought the management performance this season has been dreadful and. Yes. You know, yes, we've got another trophy there, but it doesn't undo the damage that we've seen so far. It, I, it was I, like a greatest hits, wasn't it? That cup yeah, final was like yeah, the greatest yeah. hits of the last couple of months. And, and, yeah, exactly. And, and look, we've got a game coming up. The gate, there is no respite for Celtic. We've got a game coming up against Ross County, um, who have got a new manager, podcast pal, John Hughes. Has yeah, taken over really... has taken over uh, management at Ross County. Their manager got... Ross County. Got, Ross Cunty sacked he, uh, after four wins in 14 I, I'd have loved that record man did you see the interview he got sacked and then immediately did a post-match interview and revealed it I on BBC play that, uh, uh, fair play it was uncomfortable for me watching I felt awkward it was like something that an episode of The Office it was really discom- uh, discom- <laughs> disconcerting is the word I'm looking for anyway this is where we shall wrap up this Christmas birthday 
quadruple <laughs> treble cup final episode. Jesus and Jamie's birthdays combined for this podcast. <laughs> yes. A bumper Christmas episode. I just want to say to all our listeners, genuinely, thank you so much for all your support yes. uh, during the year. Thank you for your tweets and retweets and the messages. We really appreciate it. We hope you have a really, really good Christmas. Um, thank you very much for listening. Stephen. Absolutely. Just to, to echo those thoughts, have a good one, folks. We'll be back on Patreon on the 23rd because we, we have a game, of course. But in terms of the, the the flagship crowd, have a good one. You know, whatever you get up to, whatever you celebrate out there, just enjoy enjoy the holiday. Enjoy the festivities, troops, and have a merry Christmas. <laughs> oh, that is... I. You know what? I can't even talk that. That is so bad. Totally wrong. People, <laughs> people, people are going to be tweeting that to us. Oh, that's absolutely horrendous. <laughs> right, and on that bombshell... That's a t-shirt, That's going to be a t-shirt. Oh, Jesus. And on that bombshell, thank you for listening. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. 